Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hello and welcome to Keeping Up Appearances, the luxury podcast. If you hadn't guessed already, this is the companion podcast for exploring the world of Hyacinth Bouquet in the hit BBC sitcom, Keeping Up Appearances. My name's Jonathan Vernon-Smith. With me, of course, is William Hanson. Hello, yes, we're here because we absolutely love Hyacinth and the world of Keeping Up Appearances. And we want you to fall in love with it as much as we do. So by now, you should know how this podcast works. But here's just a little reminder. In case in each instalment, William and I will take you through an episode of Keeping Up Appearances, delving deep into the world of the bookies. So which episode are we talking through today, William? This is series two, episode three, called The Candlelight Supper. Ah, yes, a classic. A classic. And of course, Candlelight Suppers have been mentioned a lot in the series so far. It's Hyacinth sort of uh, nocturnal entertaining in a tasteful upmarket way. And it's really the, the first time, I think maybe the only time in any great detail, we see Hyacinth prepare for a Candlelight Supper. Shall I read you the synopsis? Let's hear what Mr Snowd says. Hyacinth has arranged for another of her candlelight suppers, but it is ruined when most of the people she has invited manage to find an excuse for not turning up. Although Rose hasn't been invited, she starts to flirt with Emmett. If this isn't bad enough, Hyacinth is even more appalled when two of Rose's boyfriends also turn up and start having an intense row outside Hyacinth's front door, as to which of them means the most to Rose. Much to everyone's horror, Hyacinth has resort to playing the piano and singing to drown out the noise. Given the choice, Emmett would have much preferred to have listened to the row. <laughs> now, can I just pick up Mr Snowd on this? Mm. So... And I, I think you possibly slightly flinched when I read this sentence. When most of the people she has invited manage to find an excuse for not returning up, that's not in the episode. No, it's that's not. That's a different episode. Quite. Indeed, that's quite a few other episodes, but not this one. Selective memory. Mm. Um, Never mind. The beginning of this episode, of course, with the phone. Yes. The phone rings. Classic. Classic. I have a classic. The bouquet residence, the lady of the house. Anyway, she's making a phone call this time. To the Refuse Collection no, Department. the Department for Refuse Service Officers. Ah, oh, yes. Ah, the bin man. Yes, I am the lady who's been ringing all week with a complaint. Yes, thank you for finally returning my call. <laughs> my complaint is about your dustbin lorries. 
write your collection vehicles. <laughs> they will keep passing down my avenue. And I don't... They, they, for me, this doesn't really work. I don't know why, but you, I, it just doesn't work for me. You've previously said to me that you think this is one of the worst openings in the entire show. Yeah, it is really. I just... I don't, I don't like the scripting around it. And I don't like the fact that she's complaining about the bin man coming past. I mean, I do like the idea that Hyacinth complains about things that go past. Have you ever complained about anything outside your house? No, not that I can think of. But equally, most of the time, two of my places that I have lived were I was on a very high floor. So the only things that really went past were, was a bird. I've complained about the quality of the vehicles parked outside my house before. This house or a previous house? My house, Yes. Oh. Yes, there was one time when a rather, well, I can only describe it as a bit of an old banger, was left outside my house, and it was there for a week. Oh. And I did a search, and I found the <laughs> registered keeper, and I contacted him and asked him if he could please move it outside my from outside my house because it was reducing the property values. <laughs> no, I didn't really. But I did say I didn't like it outside my house. Did you know the keeper? Did you? Did you... Well, I, I did, but I didn't realise I did. Oh. So I made contact with the register keeper and I said, this car's been outside my house for quite a long time. I didn't mention that it was horrible. <laughs> but I said, would you mind terribly moving it? And he said, oh, yes, OK. And then I found out it was the boyfriend of my next door neighbour but one. Oh. Yeah. There we go. So it was a bit awkward. And why was the car outside, though? I don't know. He just decided to leave it outside my house for an elongated period of time. Hmm. I wasn't happy. No. Well, quite quite right. So you can sympathise with I can sympathise with complaining about things that uh, are outside your house, but mm. I, I didn't like the bin script. Mm, OK, fair enough. I think it, it works as a, as a little moment, but fair enough. It's the, the last bit you can probably remember, because you're good with the script, with remembering bits of the script. What is the thing she says about when her kind of final put-down on the phone? It's, it's just not very... Jumped-up bin man or something. something. Yeah, something. It, yes, it, to be fair, that one isn't the... Uh... No. Because in, in another script where she's talking to the newspaper, it's illiterate hack yeah. or something like that. So you, you <laughs> yes. want something like that, but you, yeah. don't, you don't get exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. But thankfully, we quickly move on to Liz and Emmett. Yes. And I th again, we're seeing really, because Emmett was sort of not massively in the last episode driving Mrs Fortescue, but now we get a bit, now we've established Emmett as a character, you can see a bit more of the dynamic between the two. And it's, it's a good sounding board for Elizabeth um, sort of to hear her process and to give her a bit more to do and there is mention of why Emmett has divorced yes because his his wife is clearly a floozy and ran off with another man potentially in our opinion maybe Emmett wanted to do the same thing <laughs> who knows but that's why Emmett's divorce has happened that's right so but to cheer himself up he's going out to do a bit of gardening isn't he very therapeutic gardening mm. yes always Always good to do a little bit of gardening. And while he's out there, of course, who happens to come out there? Well, in fact, I think she's already out there, isn't she, tending to her garden herself? Yes, yes, possibly. And uh, and she sings at him. She does. Yes, yeah, she does sing Beauti at him. Beautifully, I think. I've got a wonderful feeling. Everything's going my way. Yes, she does sing. But there's a bit that happens before that, because if you remember, she's out there and Richard comes out and we get the whole, Richard, don't shout in the street. I think it's so common. Um, and then, of course, when she finds out it's her sister Violet on the phone, that's why Richard's coming out. Just, yeah. Oh, my 
Sister Violet, the one with the luxury bungalow. <laughs> and that's interesting because that's the, I think, the only time she describes Violet as living in a luxury bungalow. Yes, bungalow then isn't mentioned after that, is it? Is it a bungalow? It's got an upstairs. Well, I think off the top of my head, and we don't really see it until later on in the series, they've used two places as Violet's house. Do you mean the country cottage? No, no, that's a separate building as the sort of the main They've thing. used two different houses. I think it was two different houses. I did not know that. Yeah. But there's definitely one bit where they're upstairs. Yes, because there's water thrown out the window. That's right. That comes yeah. later on. Series I five. don't think it's a bungalow. Anyway, she's, of course, delighted. But before she goes in, she um, announces to Richard that something's pooped in her polyanthus. It's a, it's a problem we all have. Has anyone pooped in your polyanthus? <laughs> Not twice. <laughs> oh dear. We'll talk more about pooping and poly- polyanthi uh, shortly. Oh, look at you with your plurals. Um, it then, as she goes inside, we cut to Onslow and Daisy, don't we, who are in bed, the lazy slobs. I mean, they're always in bed. I mean, they don't have much to do, really. I mean, it's a, it's a small house, but they, they don't really do anything with it. And there's some discussion about the Open University. Yes, because Onslow's coming out with one of his, uh, his deep thought moments, isn't he? Yeah. But again, there's not a lot of Onslow and Daisy sort of action for them in this. Rose gets a good role in this, and we it's a nice episode to sort of show off Mary Miller's portrayal of Rose, who comes in later. But it's it's a bit dull for Onslow and Daisy. Do you know what the Open University is? Are you old enough to know, remember the Open University? I vaguely remember it. Does our younger producer know what the Open University was? Oh, yes, he's, he's nodding. He's nodding. He's such a bright chap. He is. Well, the, for anyone that doesn't, the Open University used to be a university on the BBC. Oh, oh does it still exist? I don't know. No. I don't know. Does it still exist? It still exists. But I don't think it's still on BBC, is it? No. Not on BBC Two. So you would, what, turn on BBC Two? And go to university, yeah. And right. You'd, you'd be able to be educated from home watching BBC Two. Oh. oh, I know. Those were the days when the BBC educated. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so clearly Onslow, Daisy thinks, has been watching too much Open University, mm. which is why he's such a deep thinker. Oh, Quickly so deep. switches back to Hyacinth, who uh, manages to catch... Emmett, who's still outside in the garden, doing a bit of gardening. And, of course, this is when he gets the big invite. Yes, to the candlelight supper. I'm looking forward to entertaining you. Then there's a bit, there's a scene inside as well where Hyacinth's inviting Violet to the candlelight supper. Both, I guess, being invited for that evening. Now, a candlelight supper, to me, and, and we, see, we see the table later on in this episode, it's a more formal affair. It's not a sort of sit round the kitchen table and have a, have a bite to eat. I don't think she should really be inviting people with six hours' notice. Right. If I phoned you up and went this evening, come round for a candlelight supper. I would assume someone else had dropped out and I was a last-minute <laughs> invitation. Well, Andy, you'd be right. But, the... <laughs> <laughs> but you would, you'd, you'd, want, you'd want a bit more notice, wouldn't you? Well, it depends. I mean, I quite like a last-minute invitation. Oh, I like okay. it when you haven't got anything planned and then suddenly you'll end up having a lovely, exciting evening because something a bit spontaneous happens. Mm. I like that. That's nice. But is, it, but is a candlelight supper spontaneous? Well, no, because a candlelight supper, particularly when it's involved, and we see this a little later on, involved making a dessert. Mm. 
you know, involves quite a lot of prep, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, you yourself, I've been to many of your candlelit suppers. I mean, yeah. you're there prepping all day. All week. All week. In some instances. Maybe not for now that we have sort of smaller ones. I thought that chicken tasted rubbery. <laughs> What the chicken had to get you Those to carve. vegetables were very yellow. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, back, back in the days when my dining table could seat 12, when I didn't live in London and thus could have a dining table that seated 12, it would, it would take a while. I'd be preparing for quite some time. Right. Now it's, it's, it's slightly, slightly shorter notice. But I, I do think really from an etiquette point of view, she falls down here inviting guests with, with just a few hours to go. Yes. You should ideally give two or three weeks. Now, I think we do then have a little interlude, another Onslow and Daisy interlude, don't we? But I'm pleased that it then cuts to Richard, who's polishing the silver in a very vigorous fashion. It's not just silver, though. What is it? It's a solid silver, self-cleaning source separator. There we go. Well done. Thank you. And I don't know what that is. I have looked up source se- separators. I don't think they exist. <laughs> solid silver. And and also self-cleaning silver. Mm. If self-cleaning silver existed, oh. you'd make a fortune. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I have, as you know, I have some silver. I'm looking at it now. It doesn't actually look that bad. Really? You're being very... Bad. No, I think that... And I've seen it in a lot worse condition. Well, and you are the only person that cleans my silver. <laughs> in fact, I think on two occasions now, before a candlelit supper at my house, you have insisted that you polish my silver before anyone else arrives. I just want to raise the tone. <laughs> I'm sorry for having grubby silver. No, genuinely, I think that if a silver goes, that's not bad. <laughs> thank you very much. Richard, what a thing to say to somebody with a solid silver self-cleaning source separator. So he's buffing away. And she's not impressed with the fact that he's breathing very deeply. I don't think it's quite nice to hear one breathing. I'm with her. Yes. I can't bear a heavy breather. Well, the the producer is pointing at me now because it has been commented on many times before on other podcasts and radio interviews that I've got quite noisy nostrils. You have got quite noisy (laughs) nostrils. I've noticed this. You have. I've heard your nostrils. (laughs) But you're not as bad as there is one particular radio broadcaster that will remain nameless who, I mean, he makes me feel sick. Smacky lips guy. No, no, no. No, this is, I'm not going to name him, but he, he's a British radio broadcaster and he will ask a question and then while the interviewee is answering the question, all you hear is... <laughs> it's most disconcerting. And it's been so bad at times, I've actually turned the radio off, even if I'm engrossed in the interview, because I don't think it's quite nice either to no. hear someone breathing deeply. Gosh. So always pay attention to your nostrils, William. You have got quite small nostrils, haven't you? To go with my small ears. You have. Mm. Can I just? Can you just lift your head back a little? They're, they're minute, aren't they? I'm going. To, I'm. I'm. Try, I'm investigating whether, because with ears, I believe you can have your ears syringed. I don't microsuctioned. The ears. Yes, I have my microsuctioned. Yes, but well, I don't. My ears are fine. I've actually got very good hearing. Yeah, right. I just need to microsuction my nose. I don't think you need to microsuction your nose. I think you need to to expand your nostrils, which I would suggest you do by inserting two Duracell batteries up there every night. How about two polos? Because <laughs> then you can allow the air. Oh, yes, that's a good idea. No, but if you just pop a couple of double A's up there overnight, by the morning you'll have lovely open nostrils. Don't try that at home, ladies and gentlemen. 
But he's breathing very deeply while he's polishing this silver. Don't grunt when you polish, Richard. And actually, that solid silver self-cleaning saw separate a bit was, as is written in the, the book, by Harold Snowd. That was inserted by Harold Snowd because he felt that that particular scene needed a bit of a lift. And it is the best line in it that is. scene. He's very good with the alliteration, isn't he? Yes, we Mr. have more Snowd. of it later on in the series. Oh, and, and, and let's talk about the pudding, the cake that we see as well. Is it a cake? It's not a cake. Well, it's a cake slash cake dessert, dessert slash pudding thing. Yeah, yeah. she has to put it in the fridge afterwards, doesn't she? Yeah, I, I can't really work out what it is. It sort of almost looks sort of like an upside down cake, but then it's got squirty cream and glacier cherries. <laughs> it's quite retro. <laughs> it's the sort of thing I think someone of Hyacinth's generation would serve at a dinner party. Right. I wouldn't. So do you do, you do pudding? Yes, you do. I famously I, insulted your Chantilly cream. How, how did you? I don't remember you insulting my Chantilly cream. You're probably slightly giddy. Probably. I normally am after the, the starter, <laughs> to be honest. Where we were leaving and we had strawberries and Chantilly cream. Oh, oh, I do remember this. Yes. This, this was very rude. And Mikey, my partner, said, oh, the Chantilly cream was delicious. Where did you Where did it? you... No, where... Uh, no, where... I, I must... Please send me the recipe. And I said, oh, darling, it was bought. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yes, I remember that. And it wasn't. No, it was hand whisked. <laughs> I didn't realise you could make Chantilly cream. Well, how do you think someone made it? Well, no, I, you know, domestically. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can. Yes. And I love a Chantilly cream. No, it's lovely. What, what other sort of puddings? What's in your pudding repertoire? Well, I hate doing puddings. I was going to say. Absolutely hate them. Mm. And wherever possible, I will buy a pudding. Mm. Oh, really? From a well-known shop. Mm. Cook. And <laughs> their puddings Cook. are are just... You'd never know that you hadn't made them. No. Perfect. Keep it secret. Don't tell anyone. Just make sure you throw the packaging away. Yeah. And you put it at the bottom of your recycling wheelie bin. Why? why hang on. Why, how many guests open your recycling wheelie bin? Have you never gone round to someone's house and had a little rifle <laughs> through their kitchen bin just to see what they bought? No. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, I've had all kinds of fun at yours. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you stopped coming uh, around. Yes, quite. <laughs> With the dress code for the candlelight supper, when she, actually she's going back to when she invites Emmett, she says some lovely lines, which is quite etiquette Good. That's settled then. <laughs> dress informal. Lounge suit and tie, of course. Now, a lounge suit is actually quite... Formal in the grand scheme of things, even in the nineties, that was quite formal. But in Hyacinth's world, it's informal, and that's what I'm going to put on my upcoming wedding invitation: dress informal, lounge suit and tie. Sounds very good. Yes, just to scare the guests. Yeah, mm. <laughs> quite. As everyone googles, what is a lounge suit? Direct them to my website. <laughs> so Liz and Emmett are dreading it. They're mm. dreading it. The scene cuts to them. And uh, Of course, oh, Emmett's never been to one. No, Emmett's never been to one, but he just knows it's going to be awful. Of course, it's going to be awful. Um, the scene then quickly cuts to Hyacinth, who's in the front garden, and she's waiting for a man to walk past. And this man is walking his little dog. Do you know what kind of dog it is? Is it a Shih Tzu? I don't think it's a Shih Tzu. I, I thought it was a Scotty dog. Oh, it's a, it is a Scotty dog. It's a dog. little black Scotty dog. I knew it dog. began with S. Yes. So uh, as this man walks past, Hyacinth pop, 
pops up mm. wearing my favourite blue dress yes. and probably the cream action, uh, the cream uh, peep toe slingbacks as well. Yes. And she's been waiting for him and she suggests that maybe his dog has left something in her garden. And she hands over a trowel and a poo bag. Yeah, and he realises what he's got to do. Oh, there you are! I think your little doggy dropped something here yesterday. From his collar? He still has his disc. Not his collar, no. I'm sure it's yours and I'd like to return it to you. Interestingly, he doesn't ever give the trowel back. I'm not sure whatever happened to the trowel. <laughs> I think he might have nicked the trowel. Have you ever confronted a dog pooer? No, I haven't, but I'm not sort of attuned to it very much because obviously I don't have a dog. You do have Poppy. I do. And you are the sort of person, you you don't mind confrontation. No, I relish it. Yes. And I have I have pursued many people for leaving a poo. Well, shall we role-play this? Oh, OK. Shall I be the, the, the... Are you the thug? I'll be the thug. What sort, of, do- what sort of dog have I got? You've got a great big bull mastiff. Right. That's done a humongous dollop outside my luxury abode. All right. You accost me. Right. Mm. Excuse me, sir. Yeah. I think you've dropped something on the pavement outside my house. Would you like a poo bag? No. No, have a poo bag. Well, they don't normally say no. <laughs> By that point, they turn around, they're very embarrassed. I'm a thug. So, so, well, <laughs> I've got a bull mastiff. Really? Mm. Right, well, this is Shall really... we do it again? Okay, Give me a different do, dog. Do, OK. You're walking past with a poodle. Ah. OK. Excuse me, um, would you like a poo bag? I think your dog's just done a little doo-doo outside my house. Oh, Sorry. There you go. There we go. Job done. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you ever had That's dogs poo outside your house? Not outside my house, but I have. Because remember, your house does look a little bit like hyacinths. It does look very like hyacinths, but no, no one's ever... No, I'd be appalled. Hmm. No, but I do quite often see people... What, but what they often do, when, when somebody um, allows their dog to do a poo, they normally glance back just to see if anyone's looking. Mm. At which point, I've already got my poo bag out and I'm dangling it in the air and I say, do you need this? And then it's the perfect get-out for them because they don't then need to admit that they were just going to leave it. They say, oh, thank you so much, thank you, and they take it, they pick up the poo, job done. And you don't mind donating a poo bag? No, rather that than it be on the pavement. Have you ever trodden in dog poo? Probably. Oh, I've had it all over my carpet. Disgusting. Mm. Awful. Let's move on to some more savoury topics and talk girdles, because Bruce wants a girdle. Yeah, but you've missed out Elizabeth coming to coffee. Oh, yes. So Elizabeth at this point is invited to coffee, and of course you like this because Elizabeth is given the choice of what she'd like to drink her coffee in. Couple beaker. Couple beaker, and Liz has a think about it and suggests maybe a beaker would be better. Yes. And uh, Hyacinth says, I think that would probably be wise, dear. <laughs> I also love that she's calling a mug a beaker. Yes. Which I think is a lot smarter. And it's while Liz is there that the phone rings and it's my sister Violet. Again. Exactly. With the luxury bungalow. And it would appear old Bruce, old weirdo Bruce. Turning into a crossdresser. He he is turning into a crossdresser. He's up to no good again. And he wants to know, or Violet wants to know, if Hyacinth has a girdle that might fit Bruce. Do you wear a girdle? No, but having looked into them, I feel I should. I, I believe they suck all your all your floppy bits in. Yes. What are you implying? 
Have you got floppy bits? I get a r- real floppy bit at the at the base of my. Uh, Don't you have a fat back? Well, it's yes, it's called a fat back. It's a fatty deposit above the belt line, just round the back on the side. Mm. Apparently, it's a very dangerous place to keep fat. Oh, why? Oh, yes. Heart why? Heart. Oh, have you got it? You're reaching for it, aren't you? No, not re- right. Right at the back. Have you got a chunk? No. On the sides, yes, but not at the back. Just stand up. Let me have a look at the screen. Hang on. Let me just. Can I just have a little look? Hang on. Oh, yeah. oh look at that! There's loads of it there. Back. What? Sorry. That's my back. No, but it goes. It's this bit here. There. Oh, oh that's very dangerous. I need a girdle. Oh, gosh, you're a cardiac event waiting to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get on with the episode. (laughs) Yes, you need more than a girdle. Oh, the phone. Oh, I'd better get that. It's bound to be my sister Violet again. You know, the one with the luxury (laughs) bungalow and swimming pool. We'll be back momentarily. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're back. We're talking about Series 2, Episode 3, The Candlelight Supper. And indeed, we come and see Hyacinth's dining table. Now, I love it. I think it looks very, very nice. I mean, it looks like a proper old-fashioned dinner party table, doesn't yes, it? Yes, really? nobody really does dining room entertaining like that anymore. No. I can remember, actually, my parents, probably when I was 16 or 17, for their dinner parties, and they used to do a similar-esque table to Hyacinth's. Mm. 
um, in the dining room at home. They've started entertaining in the conservatory instead. Oh, I think that's very... Surely it's an orangery. No, an orangery would have a roof, an actual solid roof, whereas a conservatory like yours yeah. has a glass, whereas an orangery has... Yes. Yeah. You and your parents haven't got a proper roof. Well, it is a proper glass. roof. Yeah, it is, yeah, with glass. Right. But it's not an orange. An orangery is more roof than glass. I know what glass. an orangery is. I'm just, I'm very shocked that your parents haven't got one. We have one built. <laughs> I was going to say, it's time to get that demolished. I mean, it's a sizeable conservatory. All right. It's... <laughs> oh, God, I, that's... Raw it's... nerve being hit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they started, it's a more informal atmosphere than the dining room. It's a round table. I like a round table. I like a round table too. But I, I don't have one, but I would like one. I, I prefer a round table. I prefer more formal dining. And I always thought, although the conservatory looks nice and they you know, do it very nicely, wasn't the dining room. Oh dear. But Hyacinth's dining room is lovely. She sort of has that sort of... Well, we've talked about her artwork before, haven't Winston we? Churchill over the fireplace. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's an electric fire. It is an electric... Just... Well, I don't know if it... Is it electric or gas? Yeah. It might be gas. Yeah. But it's certainly not a luxury fireplace. No, it's but, not a log fire. But there's Winston Churchill above the fireplace. Now, I believe your... I mean, your, your parents are hardcore Tories... <laughs> I presume they've got Winston Churchill or Margaret Thatcher over the, uh, the uh, mantelpiece, have they? Not over the mantel. No, they don't. They have a they have a Winston Churchill china figurine. <laughs> How luxury! Yes. Where does Gorgeous. he live? In the drawing room. <laughs> the drawing room. You've got a drawing room, but no orangery. No, I know. Oh, <laughs> the slum in which I grew up. They've got to move. They haven't got anything Thatcher. I don't think. They've got some of her books. Oh. But I don't think they have a, a photo or effigy of oh. of Mrs. T. Well, Hyacinth has Sir Winston. She does. Above the mantelpiece. And she's got... What I'd quite like about her, the table the most is the green candles. Oh. Oh, now, you see, I was going to raise the green candles as being something I don't like. Well, green is an interesting colour for dining. In fact, I was genuinely having this discussion with my parents because they are thinking of repainting the, or redecorating the dining room and putting it green because we've just gone green in the study at home mm-hmm. and they've loved it so much they're going to redo the dining room green is what they said. Currently it's a deep red and red is a, is a much more eating-y colour. Mm. That's why it, red supposedly psychologically triggers the brain into thinking it needs to eat. That's why, you know, McDonald's, Burger King, KFC, Nando's, etc., all those sort of high street uh, restaurants use red because supposedly we see it and we think, oh, I must eat. Green is sort of hospitals or wellness. It's not necessarily a dining room colour. But I do like the green candles because the wall is sort of a beige Sort of a, I don't know, how would you describe her wall? Shaded white. Shaded white. (laughs) Whereas the green and the candles... Clunch. Yes, you've got clunch. I've had clunch in my bedroom for years. Yes, all up the walls. (laughs) (laughs) It's nearly for tomato. (laughs) It's, It's true. You've got it now, haven't you? No, I got rid of it. Oh, I don't know. What have you got now? What, what, what shaded thing? white? I've gone shaded white throughout the whole house. It's all the same colour. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I've gone shaded white. Um, yes, apart from the kitchen, cornforth white. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice colour. Um, but, well, and and the napkins are a pale green as well. 
folded in a very 80s restaurant way in that fan, which I, I'm not a fan of that. Boom, boom. How do you like to do napkins then? What's the classiest way of doing napkins? I used to go through a phase in Manchester with my 12-seater dining table of doing... A cock? I did a fleur-de-lis. <laughs> of course you did. Um, but now, especially with hygiene, obviously everything that's gone on, I think the, the less touching of the napkin you can do, the better. So I just... And obviously you have to sort of fold it and pull it and tweak it to get it into whatever shape. So... I just do a rectangle. Right. With the crease facing outwards. I remember when you came for a luxury outdoor uh, soiree at my house and I went to have a shower and when I came back down, you'd rearranged the whole table and had created a a, a wheat <laughs> and lavender place setting for everyone. Yes. Well, that was I... a bit rude, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd finished cladding the silver, so I had to do something. <laughs> I think I've got a photo. We were having oh, an outdoors, it was it outdoors was rustic barbecue, weren't we? It wasn't an outdoors rustic barbecue. <laughs> what was it? It was a luxury indoors-outdoors candlelit supper. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Actually, was it at that one that you came out dressed as Hyacinth? I did appear yes! as Hyacinth. I did. Yeah, because we were doing the scarecrow the oh, next day. Oh, that was funny, wasn't it? That's why we had wheat... Yes. Yes, and straw. That's right. To yep. stuffer. Yep. So the table's very nice, but Richard doesn't give the reaction that Hyacinth wants. Yes, how does it look? Oh, it looks very nice, Hyacinth. Very nice. Is that it? I mean, is that the extent of your enthusiasm? Well, it looks quite exceptionally oh, nice. Richard, well, I spend hours on the aesthetics of my table. I want people to walk through this door and stagger back in admiration. She wants him to stagger back a bit, and he tries. He kind of falls against the door. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so she says, oh, I'll get Elizabeth. So she calls Elizabeth and says, can you come round and check my table out? So Elizabeth, she's done this before. She has to, she knows what she's doing. She's mm. got to act absolutely amazed by the quality of the table. And she does it brilliantly. She does. She goes a little bit over the top. Oh, Hyacinth! It's like she's here. Yeah. I, I'm with Hyacinth on this because sometimes... If Mike has gone to the gym on the day that we're having a, a dinner party and I've been setting the table and he's come back and the dinner table is, you know, ready to go, he'll just sort of just walk past. It's like no, nothing. And he's not complimenting me on my choice of candle or any little centrepiece that I've done. Tables don't just set themselves. No, they don't. They involve a lot of hard work. I noticed today you've put a tablecloth on for us. Now, this is a new tablecloth that mm. I bought recently in Spain. It's a, an everyday tablecloth, just in case you make one of your messes. <laughs> nice. Well, it's very nice. <laughs> Thank you very much. Adding a touch of glass to this recording. Um, phone goes again after Elizabeth's reaction. Sheridan, Sheridan's on the phone. Oh, yes. Doesn't he do a reverse charge call? He does. Yes. He's a cheapskate. He is a complete cheapskate. Gay old cheapskate Sheridan. Well, gay, but Richard gets the idea, but Hyacinth oh, yes. is none the wiser. Yes, what's the, what's the line she says to Sheridan this time? Oh, you and Tarquin aren't interested in girls, at which point Richard kind of grimaces in the mirror. He's doing his tie-up, isn't he? Grimaces yes. in the mirror. Yeah. Ugh. And then Sheridan has to go to help Tarquin with the ironing. Yes. <laughs> nothing gay about that. No, nothing no. at all. Cut to Hyacinth, who's now on the piano, banging away ready to receive her visitors, because the doorbell has gone. 
which is her cue to play the piano. And we should talk about the piano playing because, as written in Harold Snow's book, it isn't actually Patricia Routledge playing the piano. No, it's not. You can tell when... If you watch her playing the piano, you can tell she's musical Mm. because she knows how to make it look like she's playing the piano. But I've watched it several times and she's definitely not playing the piano. No, indeed, it's a a man called Chuck Mallet off camera. Really? Yes. Oh, is that in Harold Snow's book, is it? Yes, he says. I'll read it to you. Yes, do. It's a second reading from the book. In reality, a very talented gentleman called Chuck Mallet, who had worked alongside Patricia in the musical world and also used to play piano for Pat when she had her own cabaret show. <laughs> Can you imagine going to a Patricia Routledge cabaret show? I'd love it. I'd love it. Mm. My dear of heaven. So he was playing it and she's pretending to play. Yes. And singing very off-key. Yes, and she's singing um, songs from a 1907 musical called Tom Jones. Not, of course, anything to do with the Welsh singer. Is that the, it's the song where it goes Oh no, that's the boyfriend. Oh You're never too late to fall in love. What's the one she's singing then? For tonight, for tonight, I can see When you sing, I don't recognise that song at all. (laughs) Anyway, Rose arrives, the doorbell goes. It's not Elizabeth and Emmett. No. It's Rose. She's she's come to be picked up by one of her men at Hyacinth's house. Because earlier on in the episode, she has sort of talked about that, you know, she's... She doesn't want any of her, her men to pick her up at, at theirs, at Onslow and Daisy's. So she decides that she'll go and tell them that she lives with her sister Hyacinth. That's right. And it's Mr Helliwell, isn't it? Yes, who, who's back from another episode. He's mentioned in another episode. Yeah. Now, what's rather interesting is, if you've noticed, Hyacinth isn't that horrified that Rose has arrived. Mm. Yes. Have you noticed that? She kind of takes it a bit in her stride, which is unusual because normally she would be frantically trying to get rid of any of her family that stand a chance of ruining one of her social um, experiences. So it's rather unusual that she kind of takes it in, in her stride. And then, of course, the doorbell goes again. It's Liz and Emmett. Yes. Meanwhile, poor Richard is trying to, you know, answer the door and get the ice. And he's caught between the two. The ice, the ice. And uh, and then Rose then sees for the first time Emmett, and it's love at first sight. It is, indeed. mind you, it's love at first sight for with most men for Rose, isn't it? Yes, but at least, I mean Emmett's probably of all the ones that we see, probably the most suited to Rose. They're sort of similar ages, I guess, so it would sort of work. Um, and at least Emmett is single because a lot of Rose's gentleman friends are married. Yes, so uh, they come in, and Rose has that wonderful. <laughs> which is so out of place. Uh, oh, I can see he's suffered. Some women can be bitches. Yes. Which I love. Yes, it is a bizarre line, isn't it? Yes. She comes out with another strange line in a minute. Oh, because she? Yes, she does. There's another line that, for me, um, seems a bit odd 
for mm. Rose to have to have come out with it. Because, of course, so we've now got the situation where Elizabeth and Edward have arrived. Rose is there, um, strangely, being picked up by a man. Mm. Then, of course, the doorbell goes and it's... Is it one of the men or both of the men have arrived? I think one of them is ringing the doorbell as the other arrives. That's right. Yes. And it all kind of kicks off, doesn't it? And they start fighting. Yeah, noisily. And Hyacinth says to Rose, hadn't you better go or something like that? And she says, well, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stay and have a bit of supper. Now, I don't think Rose would stay for supper. No. She would have said... I'm going to have my tea or something. Yeah. She wouldn't say supper, would she? But No, I don't think she would, but it's interesting because actually earlier on when she arrives at Hyacinth, I feel that Rose's actual general demeanour and her voice is a little bit posher than we're more used to. Mm. So I, I, whether that was a conscious acting choice on Mary Miller's part or not, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the two chaps start fighting and, of course, yet again for poor Hyacinth, the whole thing is just descending into a chaos and a farce. And she's trying to palm the guests off with a frappe mint julep. <laughs> now, what is that? It's some sort of cocktail of some sort with mint. You mean you, you haven't learned how to make it and you don't serve it? I feel bad because my brother, my lovely brother, like uh, so every every birthday or Christmas in our family, we produce a list just for family, internal use only, for just to inspire family as to what sort of things we would like. And my brother went through a phase where, and he's still still in this phase, sort of, where he will like to buy things that are off list, which is fair enough. You don't have to go for the list; it's just there for inspiration. And the first year, he got me some uh, Henry the Eighth cups and saucers with uh, the wives of Henry VIII on, which is a Fraser reference to a particular episode that happens in Fraser. So it's very good. It's lovely. I got the reference. It's one of our favourite episodes of Fraser. The next year, James bought me some frappe mint julep cups, which are sort of like a copper, which is the correct thing for a frappe mint julep. You serve it in a metal vessel just because of this episode. And you didn't recognise it? No. Ah. And what, what because is... Because it's a very niche reference. It's the well, only it is, time it is that frappe reference. mint julep is mentioned. But you still haven't told me what a frappe mint julep is. You don't know, I do think you? it's rum. Is it? I think there's rum in there. Shall we look it up? Yes. It's just been done for us, I think. Have you crushed the ice, dear? I would not. not really. <laughs> well, hurry up, dear. We'll need it for our frappe mint julep. In a frappe mint julep, there are good quality bourbon. Right. One shot of sugar syrup, Ooh. ice, and some mint. Ooh. And you sort of muddle it all up and, yeah. It's not really my sort of drink. No, but do you know what I wonder if it does taste a bit like? Mm. Have you ever had a King King's Ginger? No. Would you like to try one? Yeah, I mean, I don't love ginger. Oh, hang on, let me try. Is it alcoholic? Yeah. Okay. Let's <laughs> start the car. Will it help my fat back? I don't have got very much left. So this is the bottle. King's Ginger. Oh, and it's got Edward VII on it. Yes. I'm surprised you haven't served this. This is... Oh, listen to that. This Wrong is... Wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan has just poured... I don't Well, actually... I can only describe as... You couldn't drown a mouse. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I knew I should have restocked. There you go. Why <laughs> producer can try that. Try that. Now I reckon that might taste 
like a frappe mm. mint. What is in a king's ginger? It's whiskey and ginger, really, but it's oh, very really? warming. Do you, you yes. don't really like would, it? No, do no, you? it's fine. Would you have it with no, ice? Do, what do you mean it's fine? No, it's warming. <laughs> what do you mean it's fine? You don't like it? I would rather drink that than whiskey. It's lovely. It's delicious. Mm. Do you drink whiskey? No. No. No, but I like that. Where'd you get King's Ginger? Waitrose. Of course, Royal Warrant. Yeah, I think it's the only place you can get it. Well, no, I better not say that. (laughs) (laughs) I believe you can get it at lots of places. (laughs) (laughs) Where can you get King's Ginger? Go everywhere. <laughs> no, that's that's uh, growing on me. But to be fair, the first time I had gin and bonnet, gin and tonic, sherry, you don't I hated like it. it. Finish it. No, I will. Fi- I'm just. I'm sipping it. Yes, but it's warm. It'll be good for your chest. It's twenty four degrees. Have you heard the? <laughs> it was for um, it was for His Majesty during his morning rides on his horses. Morning. Um, because. It was cold, so no. he'd have it in the morning. Yes, yes, warm you up, warm your chest. I mean, he was huge. He probably didn't need warming. No, that's true. So I think that probably is the closest <clears throat> we're ever going to get to a whatever frappe. Frappe mint julep. Frappe yes. mint julep. And, yeah, basically then the whole uh, candlelight supper, we never actually see the candlelight supper. No, which is, I think, a bit of a disappointment. Do you? Yes, I do, because <sighs> I think they could have really... I mean, it could have all gone horribly wrong. You know, we could have had fire. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could have just been hilarious. But then half of me is wondering, as a comic device, the fact that we never see it, and obviously that in, throughout the whole series we sort of hear about things that happen or things that, that might have happened and, and guests' experiences, does that make it funnier because we don't see it and actually we're using our imaginations? Maybe, but I just I think with that particular... With the, with the whole scenario of the, the candlelit supper, there were just so many things they could have done that would have been funny to really demonstrate what a an excruciating slash hilarious experience going to one of her candlelit suppers would be, because I would have done anything to go to one of Hyacinth's mm-hmm. candlelit suppers. Totally. Can you imagine? be hilarious. We should, we should create one. We should. Get the green candles. Oh, yes. Before we go, shall we see how much attention that we've all been paying to this episode? Go on. The producer has written a question to test our knowledge. Which day did Hyacinth want the dustbin lorries or collection vehicles to come? Tuesday. I'm going to say Wednesday. Jonathan's, Jonathan got it correct. Well done. It's Tuesday. There you go. What day do your bins get collected? <laughs> Monday. Well, Monday. S- Same. Oh. Well, aren't most places Monday? To be fair, recycling is Monday and uh, normal refuse is uh, Thursday. Sorry? What, you get a weekly collection for both? Yes. Do you? Yeah, London. Oh, we're London. fortnightly. Oh, my God. My place teeming with rats. <clears throat> 
If you want to keep up with the bouquets, you can now listen back to William and me chatting through every episode of Series 1 right now. There'll be a new episode of our Series 2 analysis every Wednesday. And we need your help to let other people into the world of Hyacinth Bouquet and our podcast. So if you wouldn't mind terribly picking up your white slimline telephone with last number redial, giving them a call and instructing them to join us, well, we'd be frightfully grateful. And I'm going to sit here and finish off my King's Ginger. (laughs) He doesn't like it. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code MOM.